0: Sorry, right. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm in conversation with a James Beard award-winning chef, chef partner at Woodbury Kitchen, Artifact Coffee, Grand Crew, and has been a prominent part of Baltimore's restaurant community since he opened Spike and Charlie's with his brother in 1991. Please welcome Spike Jerdy. Welcome to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Thanks a lot. It's really great to be here. I've been looking forward to this conversation uh, for, since we first talked about it.
0: This is, this is great. Um, one, uh, I, I must say, like, you know, I, I always look at places, right, that I've gone to for my birthday and it always hold like a special memory. And I think for my 30th birthday... I I and I'm, so that's seven years ago at this point. I'm, I'm aging myself. I, I, why did I do that? But I, I went to Woodbury Kitchen for my birthday, and that was kind of one of the nicest things that my partner ever did. And uh, you know, so it's always like, what did I do on my birthday? That's always like one of those things that's there.
1: Did you get a plate with your name on it? I didn't. I did not. Oh. We, I had a great we, meal, though. <laughs> I just think Woodbury became a birthday spot because we had this very, uh, what I thought was a very cool way to to do a birthday dessert for the birthday person, and I just, I always, I always felt like that was, and we would stack those things on a on a on a weekend night. We would have like forty ready to deploy on the on the on the cold side. That it would, it would be
0: amazing if just someone came in there with a, a needlessly complicated names, just a bunch of accents. It's like, <laughs> are you trolling me? What are you doing here? <laughs> um, so, before we get into like you know the 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 meat, if it if, as it were. I said that purposely, uh, of the podcast. I want to go into something that either you'll find like really exciting or you'll be like, he talked about myself, but you know, what's the spike dirty story. Um, and you know, could you in that describe like your fascination with food, like how that came along? So give us some of those details, if you
1: will. I think, um, well, Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here and uh, (laughs) thanks for that great intro. Um, I always, I always joke, uh, I always start that story by saying that, you know, uh, we go back to Iowa because I was born in Iowa. Yeah. But I'm not going to I wouldn't presume to, like, do the whole childhood thing. But I I think I will say that I felt restaurants are in my blood and there's no reason for that. Um, But I since a little since I was a little kid, I loved restaurants. I played restaurant. I I wrote restaurant menus for fun. Um, We I I just and. I almost feel like it was restaurants and then food for me. Like, there was something about restaurants. You know, a lot of kids will sit through a restaurant meal. A lot of kids won't. And I loved rest- I loved going to restaurants since forever. And I have no idea why. It's, we're not a... I don't come from a food family, per se. I don't come from... Um, you know, we didn't go out to eat. I think particularly often, like, it was just something that really clicked with me since, since, since I was a child. And, um, I went to college and got a, a great education and, uh, but restaurants were always at the back of my mind. I was the kid that was cooking complica- overly complicated, you know, <laughs> meals in my dorm room with a toaster oven and a, and a hot plate. And, uh, and then, um, for me, the, the entry, the whole story is, is, uh, is a place called patisserie poupon in baltimore a great french pastry shop it's still there the the founder and the the pastry chef uh for all the years that i have known it uh is joseph poupon and he ran that with his wife ruth and uh he recently retired and moved back to france Hmm. um but i was just so fortunate to have kind of an unformed uh vision of me working in food and then the first place I walked into was a place called Patisserie Poupon, <laughs> and uh, on, on I can remember to this day, 820 East Baltimore Street, and that's where it all, you know, it's, it's where that world just opened up to me. Like, it was the first time that I was cooking professionally in any sense, even though I wasn't a professional, um, and I was learning every day things yeah. that, that still inform uh, my work and my life, you um, know, the way that I see food and the way that that I see hospitality to this very day. So
0: I want to, I want to delve into that a little bit more in that it like, why, what was that kind of like, I guess that indicator that you know you you have that i'm I'm a menu writer myself. there's a, a Google drive that mm-hmm. has different menus and everything is a pun uh <laughs> recipes for juices I'm, I'm i feel like there is another another life i I get joked about it. it's like like my like my my girlfriend will say, all right chef i'm like I'm not a chef i can't get I can't claim that. Uh, It's like yeah, a I did makes, a podcast oh. for a while so you know how it goes. it's just like <laughs> <laughs> a guy makes a good crab cake and suddenly you know um yeah. but what was that one what was one of those early things like those early dishes or maybe it was a sauce what what have you that you made that was just like yeah this is this is something for me this could be a future for me this could be something i could really spend my time energy blood sweat and tears all of that good stuff that goes into you know a career in the food industry in the hospitality industry
1: it's a sense of pride and um you know of creating something And I go back to the the pastry shop and it was pastry, the French, you know, classic French pastry we were doing. So it wasn't the cooking that I got into later. But I I remember the first time Joseph had a a classic French um, fruit tart, which was a beautiful little tartlet, you know, about three inches across. um, A a sweet pastry shell, uh, pastry cream, in on the inside and then just this beautiful little arrangement of um like a slice of kiwi it was all very composed it was beautiful a couple of raspberries a strawberry or two or a sliced strawberry um a couple of blueberries and and then it was glazed with this apricot glaze mm. and weird i don't know how like it was one of the first things i got to do and it was the first thing that i ever saw you know that i made and then i went around and and saw it in the pastry case and you know it was just like i was just bursting with pride it was the simplest thing I, you know i basically put fruit on top of a, <laughs> and then brushed it with a little uh but i i remember that as clear as, as it was yesterday and i think that something so kind of small and and you know insignificant resonated with me in such a way uh, it it clearly pointed uh To to the fact that I was going to be in this business probably for life. (laughs) That's 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 great. I I mean, mean, to get that level of satisfaction from something is so is so rare, and it made me, you know, so happy. I I I, I can see it, you. I see it as (laughs) you kind of think about it.
0: It's like man, that pastry, man. Something about that those strawberries (laughs) that were on there. (laughs) It was lovely. (laughs) So, could you describe your overall, like cooking food, hospitality, like philosophy, like how do you approach it? What, what is that? You know, people say North star sort of thing, but what is the philosophy for you?
1: The, the, the approach for me is, is how do we feed ourselves without screwing up the planet? Mm. Um, I think that right now the, the consequences of of our industrial commodity food system is our, our unacceptable and and they're going to lead, they're contributing to to climate change and many, many other terrible outcomes. And I don't think we take a proactive enough um, stance when it comes to how we do better. And I went through a a part of my career where I was learning how to to cook and how to run a restaurant and uh, what what was meaningful for me uh, when it came to those things. And... That was uh an earlier kind of chapter with my brother and I was really proud of what we created back then. Restaurants called Spike and Charlie's and Atlantic and Joy America Cafe. Um and then we were kind of we kinda of came to a fork in the road with what we wanted to do in the business. He still runs amazing places and he's really successful. But I knew that I wanted to to really focus on this question of how we do this in, you know, what for me is a better way. Hmm. And that's what Woodbury Kitchen, you know, set out to answer is, is is how do we do that and because i just i just can't sit here in a restaurant in baltimore and then hear about the state of the chesapeake bay for example yeah. and feel good about this industry or you know more broadly this thing that we all do which is is eat yeah. and i felt that that woodbury had to be a place where we not only fed people and created amazing experiences for them but also Learned what we could about in, about our food and and where it comes from and the consequences of those practices and try to do something um, that was better.
0: Thank you, thank you. I I think having like questions. I think questions are the things that kind of drive us. Like, yeah, I always look at when, when I need to kind of reconnect to why I may do a podcast. Cause you know, as I was saying earlier, I'm doing a lot. So sometimes as you're doing many of them, you can, you can have a bad one. You can have a bad day and it's like, all right, how do I get back to the, my reasoning, my purpose? What are the questions that I'm asking? Yes.
1: And you're never going to learn without questions. Yeah. Oh, you know, it's like, I, I think the dumbest thing is, is, is concept <laughs> like in, in the restaurant concept context. Yeah. yeah. You know, Oh, we're opening a restaurant. What's your concept? I was like, I always say, we don't have a concept here. We have, a, we have a question. Like, <laughs> how, how should we beat ourselves? Yeah. And that, that leads to so many other great, you know, when you start asking questions, inevitably you're going to le- you're going to get answers, but you're also going to get more questions. Yes. That's, that's, the, that's our 15 year history here is like, you know, questions answered as well as they, as we can, and then followed by more questions, more challenges. And, and, you know, we're still in it for that. It's, it's like, we got to go deeper. We got to go
0: deeper. Yeah. That's that's kind of the thing. And uh it's like the the tip of the iceberg. And I always ask people, because in my day job, I'm a data analyst. And I'm like, how can we get more granular? How can we get to the base of why these things are happening mm-hmm. in, like let's say, a certain community or a certain industry? And it's like, how do we get back to it? And I remember um just looking at something, and this kind of ties into the next question, actually, looking at something that, you know, people They go to a restaurant, they have an experience, they have a good time, and then they start asking questions like, why does it cost this much or so on? It's like, well, this has olive oil in there and the cost of olive oil has gone up a lot or these things that you might not see, but it's like, I know that because I have a sense of what goes into what I'm eating. And I think a lot of people don't. And so so with that, with, you know, this kind of restaurants are already working within this sort of thin margins and with the, I guess it's a recession with, with the, the fact that things cost more, what sorts of hard decisions like do you make? Like what drives, like gives you the direction on hard decisions in terms of menu, in terms of maybe it's a meat free sort of
1: situation. Like, tell me about that. I was, yeah, I'm glad you're asking that question. And I've thought a lot about this. And for me, it's, 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 it used to, I used to kind of shrink from this question, or I used to kind of, um, I would kind of deflect and now I run right at it. <laughs> and the, the answer for me in a restaurant like Woodbury is, and say with, with regard to our sourcing, sure. uh, which is, is, is almost all from local farms is, is you know, we exclude things from our menu, and we we focus on things that we can get locally. We have that—that's an ongoing conversation and a, a very focused effort here. Um, and I can talk about the reasons why that's so important to us. But I will say categorically, it costs more. I used to think, you know, I didn't want to admit that local stuff costed more, or that this approach there was a higher cost associated with with eating. Thoughtfully, but it, it costs more and it should cost more because ultimately, what we're talking about across the board is people's time. And I think the fact that we've constantly tried to devalue the value, the, the worth of the effort and the time that people put into these things, and wh- why it's universally people's time or their, essentially their labor in this instance is because all of the cost. Um, in farming is in labor, essentially, yeah. and all of the cost of a crazy thing like Woodbury Kitchen, the main cost is in labor. And we, you know, the one big change for us as we as we reopen after these catastrophic last two plus years, is that we are going into this now determined to pay more for our products, the things that we buy from our local growers, and also we are determined to pay more than anyone else when it comes to the people that work here. Sure. And Uh, it's that's not a tough choice what was tough was to figure out the the economics you know what is the business that's going to support that yeah um and for me that's just selling nfts
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing it's like whoa what
1: (laughs) it's not that it's uh it's a different business for sure it's it's restructured front of the house back of the house but it's it's you know now we we have this twin determination to continue to support our growers here in the mid-atlantic and yeah. I, you know i love that you have that focus as well because this region is 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 so central to to you know what woodbury is for example it has a i think a kind of a, an identity that a lot of times is overlooked because we're kind of in between you know we're not new york and but anyway um so we, yeah we want to support the growers that are here and obviously we want to support our team yeah
0: yeah And, um, again, it's funny, it's it's almost as if you have the questions already because this, this next question, I did move it up, but this next question kind of ties into that a little bit. Um, so like I, I, I had an interview a while back and I've read that, you know, Baltimore isn't quote unquote a chef city or what have you. It's more of a restaurant city than that. And, but I feel like it's shifting to, okay, who, what's this place the dude's opening? You know, he has a new place that's opening. She has a new place that's opening. I'm trusting in that. So kind of this shift towards, you know, the goodwill that comes from a chef or what have you and their food philosophies and so on. Like, how do you see the landscape of the dining scene the 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 food and hospitality scene evolving in Baltimore in the next like few years or what have you and i and I definitely know that there's a caveat within that because I think a lot of us you know especially this hospitality and food industry had to make some shifts over the last few years and kind of rethink how they go about business and go about how they do what they do so within it like how do you see the landscape shifting in the next few years?
1: Um, I, I hope that we continue to get more kind of, you know, what I love in a restaurant is, is a point of view. I, I want to be in a place that, that feels like somebody cares about it and that they are, you know, they're expressing something that, that is true and meaningful to them. Sure. And, um, and hopefully I can, you know, take something away from that. I guess I'm always looking for a little more than food and drink when I go, go out. Maybe that's, that's a lot to ask, but that's where I'm going to feel, I think most satisfied as as a diner and we have a really great array of places that that do that and um I wish there were more and I hope that there there will be more I think the the scary thing in a city like Baltimore is is that we continue you know Baltimore is not exactly growing um and so in a city that is 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 still kind of losing population and is still trying to I think find its footing um with there's just always something going on here that feels um like we've got to figure out how to how to do better um i i feel like there's we're a little overserved with nice restaurants and it feels like um a lot of those restaurants are owned by one or two people <laughs> and, and yes. i think that's not a great situation you know um i think I think a polyculture is always going to be healthier and, and more interesting and more vibrant than than a monoculture. Yeah. And I think we run the risk of of, of turning into to kind of a more of a of a monoculture. Um, if and I am I'm, I'm hopeful that we get that Baltimore welcomes and supports independent restaurants, you know by you know run by people that care about them and and have something to say um, with their food and their beverage and their hospitality. I I really dig that. And I'm I'm one of those people that when I grab like
0: publication, I grab like a like Baltimore magazine, I might look at what's new, what's recent and seeing where the new places are at. And, you know, especially from the standpoint I'm in now, I may go to the place and like, okay, this is a great place. I don't know if I care for these pieces of it and being honest about it or you know, there is, and, and ultimately I may be looking to talk to you, like, I want to learn more about that story or what have you. I want to hear more from the person just because of what I do here. And you're right. Like having a, a, a notion of like the food is great or what have you, but mm, it's not speaking to me in this way. This feels, yeah. a, it feels a certain way. And it's like, I can't quite put my finger on it, but now monoculture. Yeah. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Cause um, you know, I I, I want to have diversity amongst that, and, and diversity in like ideas. I think when it's this is our twenty restaurants. Sure, you may have a sushi restaurant, you may have this, you may have that, but the philosophy wasn't was embedded in there. It's almost formulaic. It's it's some similarities in how you go about business, who you're hiring, your philosophies on maybe your bar program, and it's just like I don't care. And those are not places I want to spend my time, resources, money, or for me. I, I do an endorsement like, you know, after, um, you know, I did my birthday there. My, my partner had her, um, her family from Oklahoma <laughs> come in and we, we ended up having her brother in law's birthday at Woodbury kitchen as well. Nice. And we had a weird drink off. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to drink this. Uh, I'm an old fashioned guy. <laughs> and he was just like, oh, he's like, that's pretty strong. I say it's Woodbury kitchen guys. Come on now. We gotta, gotta serve it up. But that's, but that's the thing, you, you, you know, like where I go, I like to be an evangelist for the place. Cause I, and I, and I want the place to do well. That's really what it is for me. Mm-hmm. So in, in being here like more than 30 years at this point, why Baltimore? Why does it continue to be Baltimore for you? Oh, and, and I think man. you touched on it a little bit as far as the proximity and, and, and some of the local
1: uh, relationships and things of that nature with
0: the farmers and the growers and such. But why Baltimore?
1: My family moved here. Uh, well, to Baltimore County in 1968, I was six. Talk about dating yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I went up, like I said, I did uh, high school out in the county um, and um, went away to school, came back, and I never thought about leaving. I never th- I, in fact, I never thought about not coming back. And I can't say that that was, you know, a deeply considered decision. It just mm-hmm. felt like this is where I was going to be. And I came back and then from then on lived in the city. For the re- f- from then um, that would have been like 1986 till now and um, Baltimore just felt to me as, as always felt to me and it continues to feel and I think at this point will always feel to me like the place where I want to do this work and mm-hmm. and I think because my work is so utterly place based mm-hmm. because we draw from the farms which draw from this land and the waters and you know in the chesapeake um i'm not sure how i could pick it up and move it it doesn't again it's not a concept so uh, <laughs> uh word it again. <laughs> doesn't, i don't think it would travel particularly well it's not that these ideas can't be explored elsewhere it just takes a lot to understand the resources around you and and um and the, the, the like the literal landscape but also the, the people who animate it and yeah. um um, I don't know if I have another lifetime to give to that effort somewhere else. So um, I think it's Baltimore for me. Always has been. Again, I'm not sure why, but but certainly at this point always will be.
0: I love that. I love that. Uh, it's, it's like one of the things I hear from people who always talk about like uh, New York bagels. It's something about the water. You can't get that here. And it's like, all right, settle down. <laughs> or like I'm a big fan of like... Like New Orleans cuisine, like I usually go for my for my birthday. That's that's the other birthday thing for me. And I see people make their attempts, and then I turn to a real snob. I'm like, look, I don't know about that shrimp and grits. That rues a little. Like I, I get real persnickety about it. It's like we don't have crawfish up here. I get real real out there about it. But it is definitely something about what we're getting, what we're sourcing from an area that I think makes up what that food identity might be. Not necessarily oh, yeah. not, not the concept, obviously, but the, the food identity.
1: I mean I love my I love my New Orleans cooking too, but don't 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 get me started on New Orleans and crabs. They, <laughs> they, they, they have no idea what they're doing down there with crabs. They this have is the true. same, you know the same blue crab that we do, but they just they boil it and it's <sighs> it's it's not good.
0: No, just, just bowl peanuts and crawfish. Leave the crab for <laughs> to us. I can, I can help you guys out. Uh, so is there, is, is there an ingredient, right? That you were like, you were trying to get over. You're like, I know this is good. This is great. And people were a little apprehensive. Like just, just thinking about maybe in your, your, your history of like, I'm going to make this. I remember speaking with, uh, Chef Zach from, uh, True Chesapeake and we were talking about snakeheads, what have you for a bit. Mm-hmm.
1: So was there like
0: an ingredient, uh, you had like a hard time, like really getting over?
1: Me getting over, like not liking it and then, and then learning to love it. Like you liking it, but, um, maybe ah, like getting it over yeah. top. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think for me that for, for so many people, that's still, um, oysters yes. <laughs> and, uh, oysters are, are, uh, you know, that's a, a bright line for a lot of folks. And I happen to be on the very much on the one side of that, which is very pro oyster. <laughs> I'm very pro farmed oyster in the Chesapeake. And, um, you know, oysters are one of the few things you can eat that are actually, you know, a, a net positive for the environment. Like, it's, it's very rare. There, there are sustainable things, and there are now, you know, there's a conversation around regenerative things that we can do, that we can grow, or ways of growing. And oysters are clearly in that regenerative or almost restorative side of things, where if you put oysters in the water somewhere, if you're, even if you're growing them as part of a commercial operation, it's going to be a benefit. Um, to the to the bay itself, to the local ecosystem, to other other um, potentially to to um, wild oysters in that part of the bay, but also to other species in that bay as, as habitat or as as, as um, prey or whatever. So yeah. oysters, I think, are I'm super positive on oysters. I, I love oysters so much. I even made a hot sauce to go with our Chesapeake oysters called Snake Oil, um, <laughs> and um, I think oysters are still that that thing that. You know, the Chesapeake was the, was probably the greatest estuary fishery in the history of the planet. And oysters were were like the foundational species of that. Yeah. And uh and they're delicious. And and <laughs> I, I love what they you know, I love what that they're part of our regional kind of food way. Yeah.
0: Is that so, no 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 it does. <laughs> is no, no, <laughs> that, that, no. That's a that's a great answer. I mean, it's is is there. That's what I was hoping for. Uh so I, I got I got two more real questions, and then I gotta I gotta hit you with the rapid fire ones. Um, so let's let's talk about um, let's talk about education and philosophy. I read that you know philosophy background, right? So how does like that help in cultivating like relationships with farmers and fishermen? Like, does does that play a role in it in any any way? Like, I kind of have an idea what this person might want, or I have an idea how to maybe shift this conversation, or like this is the way this could work. So tell me about that.
1: Uh, awesome question and I really appreciate it. I I think um for me the, the philosophy is true. I did study philosophy um back in school. I I would say, you know, my days uh, early early recognition that I wasn't going to be a philosopher or an academic um as much as I would have loved that. Um but and I think it took a few years, many years to really be able to kind of reconnect in a sense to understand that that training um, might have a role or might be helping me even in, in what I was doing in the restaurant. Because at first they seemed they're very, very different worlds. <laughs> and uh, um, and I think um, it might not be so much in dealing with, you know, the, the almost constant relationship situation with our growers, which is, is central to what we do, but I think just understanding... Y- that what we're doing is an inquiry is is like is is a way of of kind of thinking about questioning and and ultimately hopefully understanding our world, which is what you know I look at philosophy more as as kind of a an activity than as a like a statement of of purpose or um of you know it's like it's our philosophy, our, you know, if, if there's something that's philosophical about Woodbury, it's not that we've arrived at a certain, that I can make a certain statement. It's about this continuing sense of inquiry and, and um, you know, kind of questioning what's going on to try to get to better outcomes yeah. and and ultimately a better understanding. But it never, it it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, like a, it, it's not a, finishing point it's like it's it's the process it's it's as they say the journey and i think that's really helped me understand um like sometimes you need somebody to almost kind of explain what the hell it is you're doing like (laughs) you know i there was some things that i read along the way like by wendell berry that really kind of helped me understand what this this whole undertaking was about and um that it was really a questioning of of this this universal Need to feed ourselves. Thank you for that. For sharing that. So,
0: I I, I have to start to shift. you know, this is almost like a I guess, what's the word? A song of uh, the, the 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 rapid fire questions. But I at least want to ask you this before we get into it, because I can't you know just have you on here and not mention food at all, really. Uh, so. What is your signature dish? Like, you know, like if there was just one thing that you had to make, and it's a second question similar to this in the rapid fire portion, but slightly different. But so what is your signature dish that, that is like, this is what I'm going to make. You know, I have everything at my disposal. It's not like, you know, it's not like chopped or something. It's just like, <laughs> I have everything. It's like, what are you going to make? Like, you know, what is your signature dish? What is my signature dish? I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why don't I have an answer for that? <laughs>
1: That is not acceptable. Um, Asking the hard-hitting questions, here on the truth, and it's all right. <laughs> you got me. Uh, there's, I mean, it's not that I don't have an answer, it's that I almost have too many answers. And I'm like self-editing, like, nah, not that. <laughs> no. uh, which isn't a healthy, but... We you know, all do it. We but, all do uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I will say, that we, when Woodbury was getting started, you know, we built this wood-fired oven. And it was, this, it was this, the beating heart of the restaurant. Yeah. And intentionally so. I wanted to cook with with live fire. I wanted to I wanted people to see it and experience it, which was all part of it. Um, and we did we did this. I don't know what led me to this this dish, but it was a well. I, I know some of the thinking behind it, but it was half a chicken, completely deboned, <laughs> and and then it was cooked in a cast iron pan that was preheated in the wood fired oven. So on a nightly basis, we'd have like half a dozen or so cast-iron pans always in the wood-fired oven, getting hot, getting really, really hot. Yeah. Like hotter than you can imagine in any, like, you know, we're firing this oven to a 1,000 degrees. It's 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 working throughout the night at 700 to 800 degrees. So the pans are really, really hot. The chicken goes in. The chicken is marinated in uh, local fish pepper, garlic, and um, in sunflower oil local sea salt, and then it goes in the pan, really hot, skin side down, and goes back into this seven, eight hundred degree oven and cooks. And there was just something about the whole process, the fact that the temperatures were insanely hot, but the chicken, unless you really slept on it, didn't burn. And just the whole process, I just loved it, and I loved the result, which was a a really fun to eat, delicious chicken, like no bones, nothing to deal with. just. Yeah. Get after it. Um, <laughs> served it with a biscuit, and I just I, that was the apotheosis, I think, of Woodbury cooking, kind of in our first chapter. We're we're moving away from that. The oven's gone now, so we have to. We're we're actually. I'm like literally in the process of thinking, like, what can we do with chicken that would be as as kind of compelling or 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 as interesting as that. Yeah. But I th- I thought that that brought together a lot of the threads of what made Woodbury what it was with the fire. Cast iron cooking, yeah. um, chicken obviously something that is uh, not something foreign to our, our Mid Atlantic uh, shores <laughs> here. So,
0: and, uh, and having a biscuit I, to be a it part was of it funny. Too. I had to
1: pause because I'm not sure. Like chicken, do I want to say chicken? But that dish was just uh, a chef that I worked with for a while. Actually, you know, the chef that was our chef here and then opened our place in DC. He, he was making that like a couple months ago and he sent me a picture of it. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, it's just so good. I was just like, oh, that's awesome.
0: That's great. That's great. So now it's time for the rapid fire questions. Let's, uh, let's do it. So the first one, um, and, and you know, don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. Uh, that's always what I have to preface with. Favorite wine. doesn't have to be a pairing, but if you have a pairing, great. But favorite wine that you're like, you know, I like a nice red like a Malbec? Uh, I like a uh, rosé. What, what is the wine? That, what is your go-to uh, wine? I love
1: red burgundy, I, which is Pinot Noir from from Burgundy, France. Okay. I will take that over anything else. Any... See, I, I still have ideas to class myself up. So
0: I'm like, oh, i have your burgundy. <laughs> I know nothing about wine. I know very little about wine. Just uh, Yeah, if you got some, I'll I'll be over at your house. I've become a vermouth guy, though, so shout out to— Oh, uh, yeah, that's great.
1: Vermouth is so good now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to Enrique (laughs) Polaris. He's the guy that got me hooked on it. Uh, Let's see. Okay, okay. This this is another good one. Um, This is, again, theft in a sense. Uh, Do you have any cooking tips? for people who are trying to impress a date. It's like, hey, you know, I want to cook for you or have you like something simple, something like you would suggest that, that people try if they're trying to impress someone that they want to date. And it's like, I know nothing but ramen, but I want to at least cook a sensible meal. (laughs) I
1: I think what would, you know, cast iron is another thing that is a little uh, divisive. And a lot of people say, what's the big deal with cast iron? You have to kind of take care of it. And, you know, and it, it can be a little pricey or whatever. But the thing about cast iron is, it is like, it, if you, you can just put it on the stove and turn the stove on and, and come back and you can cook, if you want to cook something to really, really well, it's going to be delicious and it's not going to stick and it's not going to give you any trouble. Like I'm saying, if you want to like, I, you know, meat can be a little, but say you want to cook a steak, right? Sure. And you want to like, wow somebody. Cast iron is your best friend, you know, I, especially, you know, if you, if you can't grill, maybe it's winter or whatever. I think when you, if you have a cast iron pan, you can cook steak, you can cook a chicken breast and it will be like Paul Prudhomme or, you know, whoever your, 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 you know, your, um, spirit animal chef is like <laughs> it's like that it'll be like they cooked it. It is so underrated in its ability to kind of like make things amazing. And you know, people still are kind of bash it a little bit. And I think it's the greatest. And like a lot of times I won't even know what I'm cooking for dinner. Mm-hmm. But the first move is cast iron stove, cast iron on the stove, stove is on, and then let's figure out what we're what we're making. <laughs> I and I think there's you know, when you if 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 you're in the kitchen with somebody and you're like cooking something, you know, hey, make sure your your vent is on. Um but otherwise you're gonna look like a pro because you're gonna turn the steak or whatever and it's just gonna be this amazing brown and um, that's 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 the way to go.
0: Oh yeah. I, I remember um mentioning that I, I, I did like like I I do like to do things in the kitchen and I bought a, a chef knife, um, I bought a global joint, I bought a butcher's block, and I, I bought a cast iron. Uh and I told one of my chef friends and he was, he gave me like the, the knowing nod, he was like, You get it, you actually listen to me. I was like, I have <laughs> I, I recently gave Good. him one of my custom aprons that has my logo on it. He's like, I'm wearing this like like regularly. <laughs> um, so I got a few more for you. Um, what is something like, you know, interesting fact to it about you that people would be surprised to know?
1: Um, that I don't like the word chef.
0: Knows I didn't use it in the what? intro. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? I didn't use it in the intro. So oh, yeah. you're not
1: surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like it. Um, I don't like the word. I don't like to hear the word chef. I don't like. I don't like to be called chef. I don't like to. I don't like when other people call people. Chef. <laughs> <laughs> I like the show Chef. There was a really funny show, um, a, a, like a, one of those British comedies. I think from the '80s, and it was called Chef. Nice. And it was it was hilarious. And it was also a good reason why people should you know good illustration of why people shouldn't be called chef. I don't like the word chef. I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. Please don't call me chef. Chef. <laughs> 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 that That's the name of the podcast.
0: I just turns into yeah. what it is. Uh, okay. So this is the one I was describing earlier. Um, if you could cook a meal for anyone, dead or alive, um, what would the meal be and why would you pick that person?
1: Uh, well, my parents, I would, my, I, my parents aren't with us anymore and I miss them hmm. and I, it's just, it's a hole that never gets filled and I would... Um, I would cook for them. I'd probably cook lobster. <laughs> 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 my parents loved lobster. My my dad was uh, he loved, you know. My parents weren't. They each had their kind of like uh, like a lot of people. They had their their like kind of go tos, and my dad loved lobster, and he loved to take the shells and make lobster bisque. Nice. And I would give anything to be able to to cook that for them or with them,
0: again. Thank you for sharing it. Here's here's the last one. Uh, this is a little self serving, but I, I will ask it. Uh, what's next? What's next for you? This is like the shameless plug portion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're gonna get this this damn restaurant going again, if it kills me. And uh, you know, Woodbury's has been it hasn't been itself since um, since since lockdown in March of 2020. And we tried um, a bunch of different things through the pandemic and you know, events became something that, that seemed like a way forward for us. So we've shifted our focus to events. The room I'm in is is our, w- will be the new Woodbury Kitchen restaurant, which is a, a smaller room um, that we used to do events in and other things. Um, and so we've kind of flipped the script here at Woodbury, 120 seat event space now, which I think is going to be amazing. And a much smaller restaurant to carry forth, you know, the Wood Woodbury kind of approach. And, um, that's front and center for me is getting this restaurant going again. I think it's going to be about a month. So hopefully by the time people are hearing this, we're open and uh, you can come come down and experience uh, this kind of Woodbury 2.0 uh, that I'm really excited about. And it took a while to, to really see what, you know, the future looked like for us uh, here and um, like, you know including a lot of the things, you know, we talked about earlier about trying to pay people more and, you know, trying to think of a business model that would support, you know, greater parity when it comes to pay in hospitality, which was really important for us. And I think we've got something. I can't wait for people to experience it.
0: That's great to hear. Um, so that's pretty much it for me and my questions. Um, and I want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and uh, spinning a yarn with me. And uh, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the folks um, where they can check out all, all things Woodbury um, moving forward. So the floor is yours, kind of the part two of the plug thing. So website, social media, all of that good
1: stuff. Um, yeah, our, our website is back up. It's woodburykitchen.com. Um, it's now split between, um, restaurant and, and our menus on there. And then, you know, if you want to check out an event, uh, we're both going to do programmed events, but it's, it's going to be a lot of private events. So if you're thinking about, uh, something, if you have a big occasion coming up in your life, then, uh, you can check that out as well. Um, we got social media at, you know, Woodbury kitchen at Woodbury kitchen and at, uh, events, Woodbury, Ki- Woodbury kitchen events. Yeah. And, um, yeah and we're also over at artifact every day pouring coffee if, you're, if that's your thing
0: that coffee is my thing it might be a coffee <laughs> drink out there with my name <laughs> on it <laughs> so and there you have it folks i want to again thank spike Jurdy for coming on to the podcast and you know chatting it up with me and discussing some of his history some of his career and yeah for spike Jurdy, i'm rob lee saying that there's art culture food in and around baltimore you just gotta look for it